biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel Gu, and I'm joined by Christina Kelly and Jacob Wolf today. How are you guys doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, as you, you mentioned earlier, my stomach's growling because I've not eaten. But I have been back from travel, Boston, uh, Washington, D.C., the White House, and uh, Philadelphia. So it's been quite quite a week, and it's nice to be back at the office finally. Wait, I need to know how the White House was. The White House was really cool. Um, it was a really slow event because it was like four hours. Uh, and they What did. was the event? So they basically, uh, healthcare.gov and Twitch spo- or sponsored a gaming and esports event uh, where they, they basically promoted healthcare.gov for the deadline that's on Friday, uh, for all those not familiar. Um, and then additionally, they, they did a bunch of gaming. Um, they brought in some streamers who did some gaming, and then they did a Rocket League show match um, where they divvied up some of the streamers with uh, one member of Energy Esports' Rocket League team, plus uh, Moses, formerly of Genesis and Exodus. It's always funny that's to amazing. say that. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> uh, and then the very end was uh, a show match, uh, Street Fighter show match between uh, Justin Wong and uh, Snake Eyes, and then it was commentated by Mike Ross and Gutex, and Justin Wong 3-0'd Snake Eyes, and someone tweeted at me that um, healthcare wasn't the only thing that was free at the White House. So, okay, uh, <laughs> anyway, let's move along. I forgot to mention our wonderful producer, Daniel Doff, is on the other side of the glass today. The secret squirrel. How are so. you doing, Daniel? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're great. Um, doing good. And as you guys know, before the start of the show, I always recap the weekend really quickly. Before we dive into things, um, we had OG winning the Boston Major, which you got to see that in was, person. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I did my f- favorite part of that event, at least the last day, was I ended up doc- uh, having to duck walk under Russian production cameras, which is always funny because instead of showing OG, they were showing the casters for some reason. So, like, to get pictures of, of the final, I had to, like, duck walk under the cameras, which was kind of funny. Wait, what is a duck walk? It's, like, basically where you get down and, like, bend all the way down, like, butt almost touching the ground and walk like a duck across. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. so I had to do this under production cameras, which was always funny, so. <laughs> all right. Um, we also had NVS dethroning Optic at the Halo Championship Series, and we had Astralis winning the ECS Finals. Um, not a great weekend for Optic, but they have next year to prove themselves again. I know. I, on Twitter, we were we were doing some polls on the ESPN Esports Twitter handle, and everyone was like, "Optic, Optic, Optic," yeah. and then well, didn't didn't work out. I mean, the Green Wall fan base is uh, much thicker than their actual skill. But in Counter Strike, I would I would say that uh, they're okay. I think that Astralis is just really good right now. I think that uh, SK Gaming kind of being off kilter, they're using a stand in until after the major. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, that, I think that Optic did fine at ECS. Like, they, they got second again to Astralis, which the same people they got second to at E-League. So, uh, two back-to-back results, two second places. I think they're doing wonders for North America, but, uh, overall need improvement. Yeah, of course. So close, but not close enough. And, of course, Beyond won the World Cyber Arena. Uh, but what we're going to talk about today is the Intel Extreme Masters Gyeonggi, one of the final tournaments of the year to wrap up all our esports events. The group stages kicked off yesterday, and we're kind of we're gonna run through League of Legends and StarCraft too. And let's dive into League of Legends first because Group A played yesterday, and Immortals shockingly um, really shined. They did really well, and so did Samsung Galaxy, unsurprisingly. Yeah, I think I mean if if you didn't think Samsung Galaxy was getting first in this uh, in this and probably in this entire tournament, but in their group at least. 
um, after having a second-place finish where they challenged SK Telecom and then managed to be one of the only teams to re-sign the entire roster, um, then, yeah, you have something up with you if you, if you didn't think that was going to be the case. However, Immortals, uh, I think beating J-Team is uh, twice, actually, once in a best-of-one and then uh, again in a best-of-three is um, pretty indicative. They did look shaky. Uh, they weren't, like, bulletproof, but I know that J-Team is also shaky because they don't have Bebe anymore. Or at least he wasn't playing. And that goes uh, without saying for any new roster. I mean, they have they picked up Flame in the off season. They have Dardock now, so it looks really different for Immortals. And I think it's going to take a lot of time for them to develop that synergy. They have Flame and Flame, so uh, yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> Do you uh, want to explain that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I made a tweet the other day that he reacted to, which was pretty funny. I said that they, uh, I thought that Dardock was reformed, but uh, he'll be seeing a lot of Flame this this off or this season, so. Uh, but, you know, both of these players, um, one of the concerns I've been hearing behind the scenes is that Flame is very critical of his teammates, but he's not critical in the, hey, you could do this better. He's critical in the way that, hey, why did you do this, stupid? Uh, which, you know, makes me a little concerned because uh, Dardock can be the same way. So if you put both of these uh, both of these players in the same team, uh, there, there could be some... Uh, there could be Dude, some fires. They were holding hands like throughout the games. They, I think they're getting along. They, they fine seem to right have now. they seem to have a good friendship right now. But we'll we'll see. Splits change people. I think one tournament. I think they'll be shaky, but I think they'll do well. I could see them uh, maybe beating whoever they meet in in the semifinals uh, since they're on the opposite bracket of Samsung. Um, so but, is this the honeymoon phase for them right now? I think it's a little bit of honeymoon phase. I do think that bot lane does mean a lot. I think that uh, Olay, yeah. I was wondering about uh, Cody Sun and Olay. So, Cody Sun is um, kind of what we thought Stixay was before he came into the LCS. And uh, what was Stixay before he came into the LCS? He was basically the best, uh, he was like the best AD carry not in the LCS, but was locked in contract hell, um, which is magically fixed that Stixay got promoted from CLG uh, Challenger to CLG Main, and it's magically fixed because uh, Dream Team had to let go of Cody finally, and, and he's now on Immortals, uh, and there's a lot there that... I'm sure you can read up on on Twitter and, and the interwebs. Um, so basically, Cody has finally been given his chance uh, to play in the LCS. He's a very good AD carry. I would say that during his time on Dream Team, he is one of the main reasons that uh, Biofrost looked as good as he did before his TSM days. I think that Cody was uh, a very strong AD carry. Um, I think for OA, I think that he... Um, there was a lot of internal issues, my understanding, with his team, Hong Kong Esports, that weren't all in his control. Uh, his reaction wasn't great, but I think that it, the environment just wasn't good overall. Um, during his time in Brazil with Pain Gaming, he was probably the best support in Brazil, uh, even though he is originally Korean, which is very confusing that he's played in Brazil, Taiwan, and Korea before playing in North America now, so four regions. That's pretty impressive. Um, but let's I, talk about Ole for a second. Yeah, so uh, just to preface, kind of we re- read about this a little bit, uh, supports that he... So uh, Gorilla and Peekaboo negotiations did not end up going well. So that's why they neither one of those were an option for Immortals. Um, and then Ole beat Wait, out... elaborate a little more about the Gorilla situation because I don't think everyone knows what happened. Uh, so, I mean, basically business just didn't go well. Uh, my understanding is Gorilla was looking for a little bit more money to go uh, internationally than domestically, which I think is fair. Peekaboo was doing the same. Um, the, they wanted more money if they were going to leave the country than stay in Korea and get a little bit less. Um, the opportunity, Wangju kind of came up a little bit last minute for Prey, so I think that, or not for Prey, for Gorilla and for Prey, 
Um, so putting them back together, the, the former Rocks bot, bot lane, and having them in a new team was something Gorilla was very interested in. So that just didn't work out. As for Peekaboo, it, uh, there was a lot of rumors back and forth that you know he was talking to Immortals this day and he wasn't the next day. And it just something didn't go through at the very end of that. And and probably for the better if, if there was a lot of back and forth that just didn't probably make Immortals feel easy and, and made them feel more uneasy. Um, and for those who don't know, Gorilla, um, Immortals actually posted a picture which has since been deleted of Gorilla's jersey. Yeah, I mean, the, was... I think I think the impact of that is a bit exaggerated. I know that there were a few Korean teams who took offense of it because they thought that Gorilla had signed with Immortals. But uh, my understanding is their negotiations fell through before that photo. So it's really, the photo was a big social media uh, fiasco and, and a big Reddit drama. But I don't think that that was the, uh, that wasn't like the pin in, or like the nail in the coffin for that deal. But let's just so. jump back. To IEM for a second because I really want to talk about Flame and his debut back on the competitive stage. Yes. It's been a it's been a long time since we've seen him play, and I think he did great. We saw moments of him that were reminiscent of his time on Azubu Blaze, which was really awesome. If you're a Flame fan, um, at one point he was the best top laner in the world. So he did get a Flame Horizon last night. So you explain know, what a Flame Horizon is. Basically, where you get a hundred CS more than your opponent, and it, the reason it's called the Flame Horizon is because he uh, it, that was coined by Monte Cristo and Doa, and it was coined because he had a habit of doing it to people almost every game. So yeah. um, he has, he was very dominant in lane. Yeah, he has since, and it's funny that you you bring it up just simply be, uh, or bring up his past because a lot of people in League of Legends are very new to this. There are people that come in every off season and uh, to want to be new fans. People that come in during Worlds that want to. And so a lot of people probably don't know a lot of information about Flame and, and kind of his and, storied past from season two. Yeah, and uh, in 2014 at the at the Korean Esports Awards, right, there was a, a yeah. pretty big upset involving Flame. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So in the Esports Awards at, in Korea at the time, SKT swept all the lanes for the best mid laner, best jungle, best support, best ADC, except top lane. Um, Impact was going to win, or at least it seemed like he was going to win, but Flame actually won that year just because he was so dominant. He was the undisputed best, and it was cool to see glimpses of that at IEM. I don't think he's quite there yet. I think he still has a while to go before he gets back into form, but... I it's mean, possible. It's also questionable if he'll get back to form at all, period. I think that the top lane pull in North America will definitely be challenging for him this uh, this season because you have people like Impact and Ray, uh, who is obviously an up-and-comer that will be playing for C9. And you have people like Someday who will be playing for Dignitas. He'll be playing against some of the people that he would have gotten to play or that he's played in the past or that he would have gotten to play with if he would have played more with Longju. So um, I, we'll see if he's able to get back to form. I think that Immortals is a good environment for him. I think it's very, very dependent on who they end up bringing in as some kind of interpreter or translator because uh, Olay doesn't really need one, but my understanding is Flame does. Um, but I think that they, if uh, people like Robert Yip, who is their like really well-known coach, if if people like his kind of philosophy and the immortal philosophy uh, like get across the Flame from English to Korea or Korean, I think that it could very much help because I think they're very supportive to kind of players who have been in. Uh, good and bad situations like he has in his career. So um, I'm interested in what's going on with Team Liquid. Um, yeah, let's talk about Group yeah. B, actually. Well, so how the matches are going to go tonight at 8 p.m. is Kongdu's going to take on Dark Passage, Team Liquid's going to take on Giants. There's the winner's match, and then there's the loser's match. Giants with a stand-in, let's be clear. They have been looking to get someone uh, from Europe, but nothing has been finalized, so Mighty Bear is not permanent, at least for now. Right, so. and... Before the podcast actually started, we were talking about our favorites moving out of groups. And I think Kongdu and Liquid are actually going to move out. 
I think Kongdu will definitely, there's no ands, ifs, or but if they make it around two. I think Holy Phoenix is, uh, Holy Phoenix and Ku are both, uh, I, I would say Holy Phoenix is better than Ku. Uh, Ku is obviously the jungler for Dark Passage. He has a little bit of a storied career in Europe, uh, which is where he's from. I don't have any huge expectations uh, for him. Maybe he surprises me, but I think he's been given his chance and he's really not shown to be a great laner or a great jungler. Um, a little mediocre. Um, and that's going to be hard against. Jungle talent like punch. Rainover, uh, yeah, and and Rainover, right? If that's who they meet in the bottom bracket, which I, mm, I think they will. I think that it will be Kongdu beats DP first round. I think mm-hmm. that Liquid beats Giants first round. Kongdu beats Liquid. Liquid goes down and plays either Giants or uh, DP. And um, I'm actually really excited to see where this Team Liquid roster goes, just because it's so new. And I mean, can Piglet keep carrying? Can Rainover fit into this new team? I think What's the up? I think the demise of Piglet and Matt's bot lane is exaggerated on Reddit. I think that a lot of people are like, "Oh, this is terrible." It's like, but you have to realize in spring, uh, because the whole reason Liquid didn't work out was basically because Dardock, Loco, and Piglet were in this whole triangle of uh, I wouldn't say hate, but definitely tension. Uh, there was there was a lot of tension and a lot of uh, uproar between all of them and against each other, and that's why that didn't really work out. Um, and now there's a, a little bit of a, a shift in the team. Uh, David Lim, their new coach, has a very good personal relationship with Piglet, um, and a lot of the management does too, like Nick Found, who is their new uh, manager instead of uh, Steve Perino. Um, and I think that uh, overall this, this Liquid roster looks a little makeshift. I, I think this was not what they were wanting to do at the very beginning of their careers, um, or at the very beginning of the offseason and trying to put together this this new team with some new staff, uh, they were looking at something very different. But um, obviously, Rainover is the moment, is the guy that you look towards to kind of put this team together. But I do think Golden Glue and Lorlo have a little bit more to prove. I think Lorlo was manageable. I don't really believe in Golden Glue as much as everyone else does. Yeah, I think a lot of their chances of victory are going to rely on how Rainover dictates the pace of the game. And we'll see if he can tonight. I mean, I guess, I guess you know, if you're Rainover, you feel a little sad that the the original roster that was proposed, which I said the other day on Twitter, so I don't I don't mind saying it here. Uh, it was a Smeb Hobelter Rainover uh, massacre. Cody Sun and uh, Adrian are another support. So that's. Uh, but I guess when you get as many as many fat stacks as Rainover did, I, I guess you can only feel halfway bad that your team is not as good as some of the other NA teams. A universe where we see Smeb and Rainover on the same team is a universe I would really like to live in. But unfortunately, that is not the case. Anyway, um, the group stages continue tonight, and the knockout stages begin on Thursday night, and you can watch all the streams on twitch.com slash ESL underscore LOL. We're going to take a short break right now, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about StarCraft. And we're back with the ESPN Esports podcast. Let's talk about StarCraft, because... While I was doing research for this, and I see Christina smiling, um, while I was doing research for this, it was really sad to see every page that I went on for each player just said, XXX player is teamless. Um, As you know, the death of Pro League meant a lot to the um, pro esports teams that dropped the game and therefore dropped their players. And I think that brings me to my next point, which is this tournament is really important in establishing kind of the foundation for StarCraft's legacy, and I think that's true for every remaining tournament we see that decides to host StarCraft. Um, every time I see StarCraft, at the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, we might not get this level of competition in a year or two, so enjoy it while you can. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of where I was at, too, like a few weeks ago, but there is, there is re- a renewed sense of hope now. 
I mean, um, so Blizzard just recently announced the plans for the 2017 WCS, and I Am Gyeonggi happens to be the first WCS Korea event of 2017. Wow, that's um, really confusing because yeah. it's in 2016. But anyway, go on. Yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of like the Boston Major. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, and the, and the um, schedule that they laid out for 2017, first of all, they said they're, going, they're committing to it through 2018 as well. So this isn't like, a, oh, you know, stuff might just stop happening after 2017. Second, the schedule is, uh, it, it's been changed a little. They're adding some cool new events like a GSL versus the World All-Star event. Um, they're just making it much kind of cleaner and easier to follow and also filling in some uh, making sure things kind of happen without major gaps and also without too much overlap. So you don't have to follow all these different tournaments going on all at the same time. Uh, there's also recently been a big multiplayer update, which I, I think has also uh, revived some excitement about the game. And um, from what I've read, I mean, these uh, these Korean pros that are teamless, yes, they might not have that traditional team structure behind them right now, but a lot of them have started streaming a lot, which is uh, definitely going to expose the game more to Korean fans. And Byun has also recently shown that you don't necessarily have to have that traditional team structure to do really well. Where are they streaming? I'm curious. Africa. Yeah, I, I, I want to point out, just on that note, uh, just look through. Six of the eight people in top uh, top eight for this tournament are teamless. Um, and frankly, I don't really count Bjorn as uh, sitting on a high horse with a team. I, I would say that Maru is a little bit of an exception because Jin Air is a pretty solid team. Uh, and, you know, I think that there will people that there will be people that come into the space and want to pick up some of these players that are that are good, especially in Korea. Yeah, like uh, Solar just got picked up by Splice. Yeah, yeah, I think that there will be people that uh, that want to come in. And actually, that pickup is a good example. Uh, I think that there will be people that want to come in and, and want to sponsor people um, and and pick up these players. Uh, but I do think that that StarCraft is going to take a little bit back of a back turn for a shorter period of time until some of the better players get get picked up by new teams. Uh, to the fact where it's going to be a little bit like Smash Brothers was until the past I don't know year year and a half where you have to win win to play uh, basically you have to you have to win to live and or you go back and you find a job so I think that uh, streaming will supplement some of it certainly I think that Africa and Twitch's uh, Korean push I guess is what we can call it kind of their push trying trying to get into the Korean market a little bit uh, is definitely good uh, I do think however that in, until we see kind of everyone back in a stable environment like they were before the collapse of Pro League, I do think that it will be you having or them having to win the tournaments to, to make the money and, and live. I so. think those are good points. Um, but let's jump into the matchups for IEM. Um, the first match, we have Beyond and Dark, which is interesting because after winning the World Cyber Arena, Beyond is kind of the man to beat in StarCraft II right now. Yeah, um, uh, that's that's definitely true. There's also the fact that last night in groups, Maru beat Beyond 2-1, which is like pretty surprising, especially since we haven't heard that much from Maru recently. Um, that being said, I do think Beyond is, is definitely the favorite here. It, uh, but in any case, it's going to be a really awesome matchup, given that this was actually the recent GSL finals. Yeah. Um, and Dark is still very much the number one Zerg in StarCraft 2. Um, yeah, innovation. Oh, dude, we have to talk about this. Um, right underneath that bracket is innovation versus trust. And in, if innovation wins and if Beyond wins, which is very likely, we will see the master slash apprentice matchup or in Beyond's eyes, the master slash apprentice, because I'm pretty sure innovation doesn't see him as an apprentice. 
Uh, I'm not sure how innovation feels about Bjorn, but yes, Bjorn has strong feelings about innovation. Uh, when once he was asked whether he would save his teammate Maru um, or or his uh, uh, his his um, uh, his idol innovation, if there were life or li- life or death situation, Bjorn had to say, "Sorry, Maru, you're my teammate and everything, but I'm going to have to save innovation." And then at the recent uh, GSL finals, where Bjorn became the first teamless player to ever win one of these uh, premier tournaments, instead of having himself on a banner at the at the back of the venue, he actually asked for innovation to be on that banner, um, so that he could draw inspiration from innovation's face. And then after <laughs> and then after he won in the post match interview, he he talked about that banner and how much innovation means to him. <laughs> Um, and innovation has been on a tear. I mean, he recently killed. He recently all killed this team, Notos and VSL Team League, which included Solar and Dream. He recently beat Dark and Zest and Hero uh, twice. Um, so uh, innovation versus Beyond. That's that's the matchup be, we want to see. Yeah, so good on so many levels. It would be so awesome for sure. Let's move into the next matchup. That's Maru versus Stats, Terran versus Protus. Yeah. Um, Okay, Protoss, my bad. So Maru, Maru's shown up. I'm excited to see uh, what Maru's going to do here. I mean, stats, stats has just always been uh, very solid. He was definitely, he was uh, the favorite after innovation, I would say, to come out of Group A. Um, and yeah, people weren't quite expecting that of Maru because we, we haven't really seen like great results from him recently. So I'm I'm excited to see this one too. I would love to see Maru end up in the finals against Beyond and it would just be like, this is my revenge. You wouldn't save me from that hypothetical sinking ship and now you're going down. Uh, now I beat you. Exactly. Um, and let's dive into the last matchup, which is Sue versus Beal. And I think this matchup is so interesting because there's been so much hype on Reddit and on Twitter Fans are really excited to see Sue. What's up with that? Um, Sue is somebody who, again, really, really good. I mean, this whole tournament is just ridiculously stacked. Um, but Sue, both Sue and Biol have come very, very close to winning these GSL and SSL top uh, uh, top trophies. Um, Sue, I believe, is a, a four-time GSL uh, runner-up. And then Biol, um, I think, uh, recently... Um, yeah, so Biol um, had some second place, second place finishes in SSL and GSL in 2015. So here, um, we, so here we definitely see this dramatic kind of oh, these these guys are always getting that second place in these in these really top tournaments, and how are they going to do against each other? Can one of them really pull this off? Cool. So who do you think? What's your ideal matchup in the lower bracket? Um, in uh, Mar versus Stats and Sue versus Biol. Yep. Um, I would like to see Maru versus Sue. I think that would be cool. Awesome. Um, well, we're out of time right now, but if you want to keep up with all the StarCraft action, you sh- you can watch it all live on twitch.com slash ESL underscore SC2. I think that's a pretty good way to wrap things up. We're all out of time, but thank you, Christina, and thank you, Jacob, for joining me. And a big thanks to Daniel Dopp for helping us make the podcast happen. If you want more esports content, check out ESPN.com slash esports. Or you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Rachel Yungu, at Jacob N. Wolf, at Pina SC, and at Daniel Dopp.